Amanda and I'm Kristen and we are the extra sisters so sit back relax and let's get creepy welcome to the last time I'm gonna say a part one to be on I know that's crazy welcome to another installment of 100 years of horror and in this installment we are going to discuss the 2010s part one the beginning of our last decade holy shit it's so sad but cool yeah, I know. So we are coming in on watching a hundred movies, which has been it's been a journey. Like <laughs> thinking back to like the Frankenstein years seems so long ago, even though I know Caligari, right? Oh my god. Yeah. So the 2010s, of course, when we get to 2019, the scores are still rotating a little bit, but we think we know what it's gonna be, which is just devastating to me. But <laughs> like in a good way, I guess, but We'll get there, but for now, the 2010s, we will go ahead and start with actually an American remake of a Swedish film we talked about in the 2000s, I think it was 2008, which is Let Me In, which is a remake on Let the Right One In, which is a vampire film, and this was the first time I had ever watched Let Me In. Is this the first time you'd ever watched the remake, or? It is not. I had seen both of them when they came out, because i you know, just like horror, and they both got high scores. So I did watch it. It has been a long time, so I didn't really remember it. Got it. You know, I, this is honestly, if you didn't listen to the 2000s, I will kind of go through this film a little bit, but it really is like you were telling me, a, almost, not quite, but it's a, yeah, almost it's not, not a shot. Thought. It's it's definitely a scene for scene remake. Yeah, I, yeah, it's got some differences and some things happen don't happen that happened in the first one and they do some effects differently but basically it's about this boy that is struggling at school a little bit they don't quite they he has some bullies and they don't show his family struggles quite as much in this one as they did in the Swedish one but you can tell his parents are getting divorced and he talks about it a little bit you know but he doesn't like go to his dad's and show those issues that like they did in the Swedish one but he's having some issues and some bullies at school and he isn't shown to be quite as obsessed with murder as he is in the Swedish one but still kind of a little fucked up kid right exactly and then this girl moves in next door to him and we find out that she is a vampire but they forge a friendship and she helps him to gain some strength stand up to his bullies and it's kind of a I would say I would say they fall in love wouldn't you oh definitely yeah yeah and just like they do in the Swedish one now in the American one the big differences to me were they were much more, I would say, nuanced in the or maybe not quite in your face with the vampire effects in the Swedish one as they were in the American one. It's definitely more artsy in the original. This one was definitely more scary. 
Yeah, there was a more a more horror aspect because there's yeah. a scene where he cuts himself to basically make like a blood pact with her and blood drops on the floor and she drops to her knees to lap it up and say, you know, you need to get out or she runs off, I guess, in this one. And her eyes actually change and her face changes into a completely different being. Whereas in the Swedish one, she does change a little bit, but it's very, very subtle. It is not a scary change. It's not a full like metamorphosis into another creature, really. Whereas in this one, and I think it's because us as Americans, we like to be a little bit more stimulated. You know what I mean? So... They did a little bit more. Yeah. I plan to, once you are done, go off on the American thing. Well, and there were just a few, like there's one where in the Swedish one, she does, she does feed off of people, but it's not, it's, it's also a little bit more nuanced than in this one. I guess Mm -hmm. I would say, whereas this one, she runs out and she jumps on someone like almost immediately. She's not trying to like hide from them or stalk them she just goes out there in the middle of everything and somebody even sees her she does it right in front of them and you know there are just differences like that and I mean overall they're both good but I definitely definitely prefer the original again I'm a much more of an artsy film bitch anyways but I definitely prefer the original Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you noticed but Clay from 13 Reasons Why is in this and he's actually the bully which I found fucking hilarious i knew he looked familiar but i couldn't he has really really long hair and i couldn't pin it but i knew he looked familiar but i didn't really dwell on it very long so yeah but i I knew he looked familiar yeah and chloe grace moretz is our vampire so we have a couple of familiar faces in there i mean the acting and everything is really good and it's still very well done it has a 76 percent audience score and an 88 percent critic score so it's still very well done but when you're working off of a framework like the original which doesn't leave you much room for failure I mean you're gonna have a good film if you just do what the original one did because the original one was already I mean so so well done the original one just to give you guys a reminder has a 90 audience and a 98 critic so your your blueprint's already gonna give you greatness you know what I mean Now, to get on my soapbox for a second. I'm ready. All right. This is not the first, and I'm pretty sure not even the second American remake that we've done in the 100 Years of Horror. Granted, that is 100 movies. I might be incorrect. I know of at least two. I know of at least Ringo and The Ring, and we have Let the Right One In and Let Me In. Okay, that we took a foreign film that was already top of its game. It already made 100 Years of Horror. And then we did a scene-for-scene remake of an American film. Why the fuck do we always have to slap USA on everything? Why is this a thing? To the point so that in Let Me In, we have to show a scene of kids pledging allegiance to the flag. Do you realize that other countries think we're a fucking cult because we do that shit? And you put it in a movie? (laughs) I thought about that because I was... Okay, also, I have to add something else to that. I thought about that because other countries don't do that. And also, when we started kind of talking about our upbringings, I was like, 
Do other states not also pledge to their flag? Because in Texas, we pledge to the country and then also we turn around and have a Texas pledge. That's insane. Like, I know. <laughs> Texans are even more of a cult than just Americans, it I seems. Know, but why? Why do we have to do this? Why are we so egocentrical as a country that we have to take something that was already perfect? It was already done and make it American just to make it American. We didn't change a goddamn thing. We shortened some scenes. That was basically it because we did a scene for scene remake on both of them. And I am over it. Do better movies. There were other movies that came out that same year. Insidious came out along with Let Me In, which I think is amazing. It was James Wan. It was fucking, you know, Saw and The Conjuring. It is that same person and Insidious didn't make it on the list, but Saw and The Conjuring did. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, the only thing that I'll say to American remakes of films... Just as kind of like a, I could maybe see it. So like devil's advocate point, I guess, is to Americans don't tend to have exposure to, everyone has exposure to our films because we kind of cornered a market on Hollywood. Well, we did, but our films get released everywhere. Whereas, you know, a Swedish film's not going to hit our market because we don't like reading subtitles. Let's just be perfectly honest. Like, I know we're lazy, ignorant Americans. Let's just yeah. keep up the trope, right? Well, so making a remake is something where we could get exposure to another film. What I and money, money, money. Also that, yeah. What I wish that we would do when we were making a remake is put it in the beginning of a film and say hey like this film is a remake of this film that came out at this time or something because I know at the end it says based on this 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 but nobody really pays attention to that so it would be nice because I guarantee you there's a lot of people that have watched Let Me In that don't realize that it is I think horror people do but I think that you know there are a lot of people that don't realize that it is a remake, remake. yeah yeah now to come down off my soapbox i am not an artsy person so i appreciated this one more than the original because i thought she was scarier so see that's what i didn't actually like about it i didn't like the i liked her eyes changing a little bit more because they did in the original show some facial changes with her kind of when she was around blood and that kind of thing. But as far as I felt like that was very like catered to the American audience. And that's mm -hmm. what my thing is like with, we have two very similar, but kind of different points in the American remakes. It seems like every time something is remade for Americans, they have to make it. This isn't American. good enough. This isn't loud enough. This isn't yeah. scary enough. This isn't in their face enough. They're not going to get it. It's not because gonna... Americans don't know nuance anymore. That's yeah. for foreign horror, it seems. Correct. Yeah, it's not in their face enough. It's going to bore them. It's not. You know. Well, you know what I mean. So, I think that that's you know one thing. I don't think it took away from the movie at all. It's just something that I liked about the original more than I liked about the remake mm -hmm. now i do like chloe grace moretz i like the acting in this i thought that everything about it was fine i just preferred the original so mm -hmm. you know both good just you know just one's american and one's not <laughs> but they're pretty much the same film but i would recommend honestly watch both of them because i think you'll get different things from both of them i the atmosphere in the original is much 
creepier in my opinion just because of i guess where it is they are in new mexico in this one versus in sweden i don't know yeah which also was an awkward choice like do you realize it's a snowy film again just like the original did you look at a map when you picked a place for snow because i'm not saying new mexico doesn't have snow they do but there are snowier motherfucking places in this goddamn country yeah well I I know that like you know they have even places to ski in New Mexico, so yeah. I know then. But like my Which is whole why thing benefit was, of the doubt. But like Wyoming, Montana, nothing. Not even in Colorado though. Do we have lakes frozen enough to play hockey on? Hence, hence Wisconsin. You know, choose the north where <laughs> it really fucking snows. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. That was my only also issue with the continuity is they needed to have the hockey or where they went out to like ice skate on a frozen lake. And I was like, I mean, we live in Colorado and I don't even really think there are places now. Yes, lakes and ponds do freeze over, but not to the point where it's like in Minnesota where we actually play like ice hockey on it, because otherwise my husband would be fucking gone every weekend in the winter. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Now to move on to a amazing fucking film and totally unique yes we have a british comedy horror film from nick frost and simon pig it's it's not simon pig it's just nick frost but that is the duo that gave you you know shauna the dead so we have nick frost in this one and he's giving us attack the block from 2011 which by the way right off they have the coolest looking fucking monsters in this one but also john boyega is in this yes Yes. So I was like, what the fuck? I have never <laughs> seen him in anything other than Star Wars. And this was 2011. So this was pre-Star Wars. It was amazing. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. It, okay. So this film is about a part of London. And these kids are having to defend the block from aliens. Aliens are touching down on Earth to, I'm assuming, have some sort of mating ritual and leave. Because they're following a female around to, you know, get it on. And while they're doing that, they're attacking citizens of London. Mostly these kids who have actually, they killed the first one that came down, which was the female. And they have been keeping it with them. And they've been covered in blood, which is making these aliens follow them and track them down. And it kills a couple of them, which is kind of sad because they are kids. They're like 15 so they're all running from these aliens the cops are involved because fuck the police also in britain because they talk about them killing black people also Mm -hmm. which is super interesting by the way because you know anyways (laughs) because you know well so this is 2011 first of all john boyega is the head of this I'm going to say gang of kids, but they're not a gang. They are, I would say they do mug this woman at the beginning that becomes part of their group that goes after these, but it's, it's not, they're just basically trying to survive in a shitty situation. Right. But also don't, I mean, don't mug people, but don't mug people in your own neighborhood. She's just as poor as you guys, basically. So why would you be doing this? And well, they even apologize and be like, hey, we wouldn't have done that if we knew you lived here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I also loved it the whole time because it was like a different language. Like I had to put subtitles on to understand what the fuck they were saying. It it reminded me a lot of if anyone has seen Eurotrip, I know I talk about it a lot. And there's a point where they are meeting up with people. They end up with some soccer hooligans and they they have that thick accent and they say all these crazy words instead of you know cuss words that us americans know and one of the guys goes you're just on a whole other level of cussing aren't you 
And that's what it feels like in this film. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I had to put on subtitles too. And then I also picked up some of their slang and stuff, which yeah. is interesting. And so when they're all together and they're, you know, fighting off all these monsters, you know, you told me you're like, oh, you're going to love these kids because y'all know like how I feel about bands of kids fighting yeah. off things. I was like, yay. And then they all fucking started dying. And I was like, well, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, not <laughs> no. all of them. Not all of them, but we get three. No, I know. But like, I thought like, oh, it's a band of kids. I mean, granted, they're teenagers, but you find find out uh john boyega's character his name is moses right yes yeah he's only 15 yeah <laughs> but these well, are smart fucking fighters too there's a point when yeah. these kids are running from these aliens and one of them's on a bike and the bike falls on him and the this kid is smart enough and fast thinking enough to whip the bike into one of the monsters and also what's interesting is this was just an observation and I'm not saying every 15 year old or 13 year old or whatever in the United States will just go grab a gun, but their parents might have them. There's only one person in this film that has a gun and he's a major, major, major drug dealer. Yes. Uh, that's so, the kid that whipped the bike into the monster. One of them actually grabs him by the leg and he, I'm proud of him because he doesn't scream. The first thing he does is grabs a baseball bat and starts bashing it. One of the kids has a fucking machete. Like they have different tools. They all grab a variety of different like blunt objects or one grabs like a samurai sword that he's got mounted above his bed. So yeah. it's just interesting to see all of these like hodgepodge of weapons be and none of them being firearms you know exactly so. in fact we see that point because we have two little boys younger maybe 12 who want to join the older boys in this hunt for the aliens and they have a super soaker which i'm assuming or i thought was filled with pee we find out it's gasoline and yeah. they also have something that looks like a gun it's it's like a bb gun we find out but the the older boys are really good about it. they're like get, they yank it from him and they're like don't you take this and they're very against firearms but we find out that it's a bb gun because moses tries to use it and it doesn't fucking help and it actually gets one of their friends killed why i'm pissed about the friend getting killed thing is actually i'm frustrated because these kids pick and choose when they're going to be smart and that's really frustrating from a character. We've already seen them be smart and kick ass. One of their friends gets taken by the head. A motorcycle helmet is covering him. So he's actually safe for a moment. And instead of killing this motherfucking alien that has their friend by the head, they all freeze and panic. Are you fucking kidding me? That's your time to get there. Yeah. The... Yeah, there was some honestly some devastating losses. Like, yeah. It's really sad. Like I assumed because this was a band of kids that they would all they don't. Yeah, they right. Don't, exactly. They don't come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> they they go over to I'm assuming Moses's girlfriend's house. That's where their friend dies. But there's two aliens that come in, and I do like the girls though because they just start bashing yeah. it with an ice skate, and I'm like, yes. But also, it's like the aliens pick and choose when they're easy to kill. Because there is a drug dealer who is chasing the boys at the same time, just because one of his lieutenants got killed by one of these aliens, so he's blaming the kids for some reason. I don't know. But he talks about how it went down real easy by shooting it. And Moses kills one real easy with a machete just right on the back, and it's dead. So there's two easy kills, and then after that, they get so much harder for no apparent reason. Maybe they are disoriented from crashing to earth and they're not. I literally have no idea. I'm just making shit up. No, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's just things I noticed that were frustrating. And yeah. the other thing that I, I did love this, and it's going to sound, 
they talk about Moses's childhood, but they talk about it like that. It's really quick. They she they have a nurse that they mugged in the beginning who is actually on their side now, and she goes down and she has to go into his apartment to turn on the gasoline on the stove so that he can blow up all these aliens. He's going to lure him down there. And she goes down to his apartment and she sees his bed and you see a picture of him at like six or seven that's on the mantle. That's the only picture we see of him. And then you go into his room and you see that he still has ninja t- or Spider-Man sheets. He's 15. You can definitely tell. He talks about how his uncle is in and out and mostly out. So you can definitely tell he's been basically taking care of himself since, what, six or seven? Yeah. But they they mention it briefly. We don't harp on it that it was a sad childhood. We keep up with the comedy and the action, which I loved because we have enough of those sad horror films. We have enough of those sad films about sad lives and poverty. I, I'm glad that we didn't go there with this one. And then enough to know that he there's enough political commentary as well to talk about. This is literally the tagline is inner city versus outer space. And there's enough commentary on the inner city aspect to know. And then also the cops take him in at the end after he saves the day and everyone is on his side saying, no, don't chanting his name. He just saved you. And he's in the back of this squad van and everyone is chanting his name. And even the white woman that he mugged in the beginning that is now his friend, that he has saved her life, they say, is this the the person that mugged you? Has he hurt you? And she said, no, he saved me. And now everyone's chanting his name. And his friends are in the van with him saying, Moses, listen. And you just basically see him smile at the end. And that's pretty yeah. So it is a really sweet film. I really enjoyed it. It's got a 75% audience score and a 90% critic score. So. Yeah, I love that the political commentary wasn't over the top. Like, you still got it, but it was very nuanced. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah, this is because I am black. He never said that. It was definitely alluded to the whole time, and you knew. Yeah, he said one thing, like, one time about cops and their relationship with the black community, but it wasn't specifically about himself. Exactly. And there was enough of it the between their relationship that you could, I mean, you didn't, you didn't need it you know there's a time and a place for those films absolutely but this one did it so well that you it was a horror comedy that also had some political commentary that it was just it was just right it was really good yeah I loved it that was my favorite one of this section and that's saying a lot when Amanda's going to talk about the next one which you guys know I love yeah so the next film is Cabin in the Woods yeah so this was actually Kristen's birthday movie last year if you don't know so every year for our birthday no matter what day of the week it falls on each of us pick a film kind of it's related to the horror genre last year I did hereditary and she did cabin in the woods and you'll just have to see what we do this year but (laughs) it can I mean my I'm just gonna say mine is horror ish this year you know so we'll just say that yeah yeah I would say horror-ish. But Cabin in the Woods, if you don't know, it's kind of hard to describe really quickly, but it is about a group of friends that goes to a cabin in the woods and shit starts happening to them. There's basically this zombie redneck family that starts melee wailing on them and they (laughs) are basically being picked off in a very specific order because there is this like whole control room of like these people that are controlling this situation for these ancient gods that need these sacrifices in a very specific order. So this is all about 
horror tropes and why they exist and a commentary about it. And it's actually because we have to give these gods sacrifices in certain orders and they need the athlete and the slut character in, in their words, not mine. And you know what I mean? Like they need all <laughs> of these things. And so it's actually about these friends being picked off. And then they actually, the two that are left, figure it out and get into this facility. And you see all of these monsters that they have in these cubes. And they actually have to, they actually pick their own monsters. These friends do based on, they find this basement very much like an evil dead, the evil dead, excuse me. And... <laughs> So they pick up this thing and start speaking this language from this girl's diary. And that's how they get that monster. But if they were to pick up this particular thing, it would have been a different monster. And they all take bets on which monster it's going to be. And it's just a very involved, detailed film that you can go and listen to. We did it last December. If it's in our, you can go back into our catalog a little bit and just, you know, listen to a whole review. If you haven't seen The Cabin in the Woods yet, though, you should definitely go watch it because it's very different. Like, yes, it's a horror mm -hmm. film, but also it's got a lot more elements to it than that. So you should go check it out. Yeah. I mean, scary gods. Like, that's great. Yeah. And that's not something we see in horror all the time. Exactly. And it's got a 92% critic and a 74% audience, which honestly, it's got a 74% out of 207,000 audience members. It's only got... 286 critics ratings which i guess is still pretty high but i kind of thought it'd have more critics than yeah that. but it's still it's a high score but it's just a it's a really really good film it's super unique i remember the first time i saw this i was super blown away i thought it was really cool and it still holds up i've never been bored watching this film i don't think i ever will be right same i love that movie Moving on to 2013, we have another American film and one I just talked about, The Conjuring from James Wan, who is, you know, god of horror sometimes. I don't know. That man can direct some crazy shit. So The Conjuring is all about Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are paranormal demonologists and they go and help people and in this film we have to help the Perrin family and we have five girls a mom and dad who have just moved into this very extremely haunted house the house is starting to act up and then we find out that it's not just a regular haunting there is a witch who has been fucking with them he, she has attached herself to the family she even possesses the mother at one point so that she can kill the children and this is a pattern that she has done for every family that has lived on her land so it's not even just this home her land contained numerous homes in this area that she has been killing off through possession the warrens then have to save the day and save the mother and the family Ta-da! I mean, like, I that's it. At this point, that's kind of surprising, but you know, I know that not everyone, a lot of people I actually have found out through talking to people that are listeners or even some over on Patreon are trying to get back into horror because it really scares them or would like to be into horror, but it scares them a lot. So, you know, if you haven't seen The Conjuring, it is pretty creepy. So if you're kind yeah, of- Yeah, it is a spooky one. If you're kind of baby horror, I don't know if I'd recommend it right off the bat, but- if it's one that you want to just really test yourself on, give it a shot. But I, it's really good. It's one of those of the Conjuring universe. The Conjuring films are really good. The Conjuring universe, I will not speak for, but right. I remember when the Conjuring first came out. I felt very alive again in horror. You know, Agreed. oh my god, it was such a because no, I'm not saying horror because we had Sinister before this, and you know there were some good things that 
happened or sinister right around this even they were kind of in tandem together insidious saw really helped change those things uh james wan (laughs) like once james wan and lee wanell came into our horror world it started to get better yeah, and there were some things in between, but I remember seeing this and being like, oh, God, yes, thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it just, it's a really good film. It's got an 83% audience score and an 86% critic score, which I think, you know, that's pretty solid, especially yeah, and- for like a, a something like this that can be kind of polarizing, but it wasn't. It was done really well. Yeah, we do have a full episode on this one, too. It was early on in our first year, so go look for it if you want to listen. Yep. So the last film in this first part of this last decade, we all... Oh my God, we're almost done. I know. We also have a full episode on, so I'll try to be really quick about this, is an Australian film, and it is The Babadook. Duck, duck, duck. (laughs) (laughs) So The Babadook is about a mother and son, and the son has been acting out and kind of weird, and they get this book, The Babadook, and <laughs> and it starts making all this weird shit happen. The Babadook is this thing. I don't know. I don't really know what it is. He's grief, like as a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a spirit or a ghost. It's like a manifestation almost. Yeah, like a spooky one, and. It just basically starts making their lives terrible. His mother has been having a hard time because her husband has died. That's the whole thing. That's why the grief comes into play. And this Babadook has basically starts possessing her, making her mean and angry and also like low-key homicidal. Yeah. Not very low-key. She does kill the dog. Oh, that's If you're against, you know, pet harm and horror, this is one of them. Yeah. And actually, the son is, like, super, like, you kind of want to, like, strangle him at some parts of this. But also, you feel really bad for him. So, yeah, like, he's super annoying. But you can tell it's because his mother just doesn't care for him at all. Yeah, she's so depressed and into her own self and her own grief that she, like, at first in the film, she's, like, doing the best she can. But, of course, as the Babadook moves into their lives, she pulls back because it is, you know, doing its thing. And she becomes super scary, starts make, you know, giving him these sleeping pills and he gets actually really smart about it, stops taking them and hiding them. And he starts making these weapons to use against her. And she actually becomes very scary and wanting to kill him. And then they have to fight off this Babadook together and then they end up keeping it in their basement. There were some things in... You can listen to our full episode, but I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) I mean, overall, I do. I watched when I watched it again. I did enjoy it. It's definitely, again, I wouldn't say an artsier movie, but definitely some artsier themes that you kind of have to pick out of there. But I did enjoy it. But you can go listen to our full episode. As far as the ratings on it, it's probably I mean, obviously, it's it's been talked about for a really long time. People really loved this movie when it came out. It was on like all the best of lists. The first time I watched it, though, I will say I was like, the fuck? Why the fuck? And then when I rewatched it after I got really, really immersed into horror when we were doing the podcast and everything, I understood a little bit more. So, you know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I didn't like the Babadook when I first saw it. I hated, you know, I was okay with it up until the end when we bring in dinosaur noises and stuff like that. I hated that. (laughs) The second time, I agree. I understood a little bit more, but the Babadook's still not my type of movie. Yeah, it's got a 72% audience score and a 98% critic score. So, Jeez. Yeah, it is super high up there. You know, and it I will say it doesn't rely on things like jump scares or super scary imagery. And so that is one thing that I do really appreciate. Like it does have some creepy imagery. The Babadook is inherently like a creepy looking thing kind of. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that I do respect it a lot for that. And the acting was incredible. It's really, Mm -hmm. really good. So yeah, that rounds out the first part of the 2010s and going into this last part will be our last, last roundup of movies. Oh my goodness. I know. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. So (laughs) I am really interested to see what takes that 2019 spot. If it is what it has been, then I have to watch this movie again. Oh my God. But it's it'll be good to talk about again because when we talked about it last year, our audio was fucked. So exactly. <laughs> we can kind of do our review, not again, but last year when we did it, it was only like 17 minutes, I want to say. So yeah, because we were still fucked up after watching Dude, it. So we, we couldn't so really so say anything. Not, not like fucked up in like an intoxicated way. Like we were in mood. Like emotionally. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. So if you kind of know what we're talking about, like if that rings a bell, then you probably will know what the 2019 spot is. Woo. Oh, (laughs) we'll see what that spot is again. 2019, the reviews are constantly moving. That's why actually one of the films was actually moved. Tech on the Block and Absinthia moved around. So, you know, we'll see what it comes down to, but I'm pretty sure that's going to stay. I can't. Yeah. I literally cannot think of anything that would kick it out of that spot. No, I've looked at the reviews of the second closest movie and they're really not very close. So (laughs) it'll probably be that. Great, great. Have to mentally repair for that one. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this one. And thank you so much for sticking around for this whole series. As we go into the last one, we'll talk a little bit more and then we'll also do a wrap up. So, we appreciate you being here. You can follow us on all of our social medias at the Extra Sisters Podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And thank you so much to our patrons. We really appreciate you all. If you would like to head over to Patreon and see what we got going on over there, it is patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters Podcast. Until next time, stay creepy.